Good morning, church family. And to those who are watching on our live stream, thank you for joining joining us this morning. Um, I want to say, you know, thanks to the, to you as a church family for your love and and uh, and the way that you show your appreciation for for us as a pastoral team. I I just always feel your love. I um, it's very very rare that I um, I don't know all those things we were praying for that we did or something or didn't do or something all the people were angry but uh, <laughs> they're going to somebody else they're not coming to me so if you're angry with me come on come on we'll we'll talk about it but uh, I usually am overwhelmed by your generosity and your kindnesses and I think I speak for the team that we we really uh, we read about other churches and we read about how pastors can be treated and uh, and you all extend so much grace to us and and I even think about this last couple of years with some of the trials with my wife and I can just say that you have loved me well and you have loved my family well and I want to thank you for that so thank you well as we transition here we are in this series in first Corinthians we're looking at a transformed people and in this letter to uh, to Corinth to the church there in Corinth Paul is addressing again some immaturity and worldliness that they have and specifically in this section we're looking at there's a lot of pride there's envy there's misuse of spiritual gifts um, and Paul's going to need to make some instruction and some adjustments with them in terms of where they are with that but I, I just reflect back on chapter one where before we even got into this letter Paul was saying this he said I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, so that you were not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, in, in spite of the fact that, you know, adjustments come and we hear things, we're convicted, you know, that's a kindness of God because he wants us to grow, he wants us to change, he wants us to be more and more like his son. Um, and Corinth had a lot of need of adjustment, but, but he, in his heart, I think he reflected the heart of God towards his people that you know, he just so appreciated them. Uh, what we're gonna talk about today, the title is One Body with Many Members. You know, we are part of one church, you know, both universally, but really practically it comes down to being a part of a local expression of that body. And, uh, and the reality is that we're all different. There's so many differences between us. Uh, and and in, in the section that we're looking at, you know, there's so many differences between how we've been gifted and how we think about our lives and think about serving the Lord. And so the big idea for our time is in the body of Christ, unity works well with diversity. Even though we're different, even though we see life very differently, uh, diversity does not need to work against us to experience the unity together, but actually works for us. God's design for diversity is his way of bringing all its members to oneness. That is, if each member embraces their need of others and play the part that they were designed for in the whole body, they would experience a unity that is really supernatural, and it's very rich. So I want to use another illustration that may help illustrate what I'm talking about. 
So something I'm familiar with is the Ravens. And I want to, you to think about our text today with this illustration for a moment. For just as the team is one and has many teammates, and all the teammates are many, they are one team, so also is the body of Christ. The team does not consist of one position but many. If the left tackle should say, because I'm not a quarterback, I do not belong to the team, that would make him no less part of the team. If the holder should say, because I'm not a kicker, I don't belong to the team, it would be no less part of the team. If the whole team were kickers, how many field goals would they make? And if the whole team were quarterbacks, how would they perform with no line? And if the whole team were offensive linemen, what would the final score be? But that one, someone picked up the ball and and just made it in, I guess. But as it is, the coach arranged the players on the team just as he seems best to him. So as it is, there are many positions, yet one team. Let's pray together. Lord, we recognize in so many other areas of life that teams are made of a diverse group of people with different abilities, different gifts, uh, different backgrounds even. And we see that unity is possible when we work together and when we do our part and we appreciate the other parts of the, of the team. But Lord, this is even much more than a sports team or a business or a military or any great team that we may have experienced. This is your body. This is a living organism, Lord, uh, that you have created to fulfill your purposes here on earth. And you yourself are the head of your church. And so, Lord... We don't want to neglect what may seem obvious in other places. We want to actually grow deeper in our understanding and conviction. We ask you to to help us. Lord, as some things will be familiar and maybe some things will be uh, convicting. But Lord, in all things, we ask that you would teach us and that you would be glorified in our lives. Lord, grant us faith. Grant us humility. And grant us ears to hear as we listen to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a few points that we're going to make from our text today, but the first point is that there's one body. Paul writes, For just as the the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. You know, the body is, is an intentional choice of, uh, of Jesus when he, uh, or, excuse me, of Paul when he writes this section here. And he's, and he's writing about these, this one body, this one person that has all these different parts. 
And a lot of times, even from our text here, we'll just see kind of a general part like a foot or hand or head, you know, those kind of things referenced. But when you think about the body, it's, it's overwhelming almost to think about the parts that are in the body. I was reading an article recently from the Veteran Administration, and it says the organ systems of the human body all have specific functions. And the VA uses these categories of major organ systems to classify when people come in and want to make a disability claim. Our bodies are made up of 11 basic organ systems that manage all the essential body functions. These systems, while interdependent, can become out of tune with one another when something is not working properly. And the others will attempt to correct the problem. And as this relates to the, the article I was reading regarding unemployment ratings, if you're rated with more than one disability within one system, your rating increases your ability to get unemployment. So let's think about these 11 organ systems just for a moment. The skeletal system, muscular, lymphatic, respiratory, digestive, nervous, endocrine, cardiovascular, urinary, reproductive, and integumentary. Now, I had no idea what integumentary system was. I'm like, what is this? I mean, I had to look it up just to find out how to say the word. (laughs) But within that system, we're talking about glands, hair, nails, barrier functions, body temperature regulation, cell fluid maintenance, detection of stimuli, and synthesis of vitamin D. That's in, that's in a system I've never even heard of yet. So when you think about that, and you think of just any one of those little things that could go wrong, the barrier function, uh, that was what was operating, I think, when, when my wife had brain cancer, and it kept the cancer from going down into her body. <laughs> it stayed in her brain. Or uh, temperature regulation. All these things... Something could go wrong, and your whole body would let you know within a short period of time. And other systems of the body would try to do its best to regulate that if possible. And any one of those things might be that you actually uh, get paid in unemployment. So the body is many, many systems, many, many parts, many, many functions. And it says, just as the body is one and has many members, so it is with Christ. Christ has designed his church to really be what we just described. Many, many facets, many, many parts, many, many systems, many, many things that could go well or things that may not go well. You know, we are included into this body if we have come to know Jesus Christ. And the things we're going to talk about here today, if you've never realized that you are in need of a Savior, that, you, that your sin actually has caused a, a consequence, that you have been separated from God, and you will stay separated from God forever, for eternity. And there will be a judgment one day unless you have this Savior. Jesus said that he was the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Because of our sin, God in his mercy sent his only son to live a perfect life so that he might be yours and my substitute when he died on the cross. When he took our 
sin upon himself and he was crucified and he was punished and he was, God's wrath was poured out on him. He died, he was buried, and three days later, the Lord raised him from the dead so that we would know for sure that there is a Savior that's available to us. And if you would put your hope in him, and not your hope in yourself or any other religion, but your trust in him, you would be part of his family. In fact, you would also be part of his body, and the Holy Spirit would bring you into this body. It says, for just as the body is one and many members, all the members of the body, the many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. We are all made to drink of one spirit. So it's the spirit that baptizes us into the body. And don't, be mis- don't kind of get tripped up by the word baptism. The word baptizo in the Greek is an actually, it just means to be placed into and immersed by, you know. So we, we know what water baptism is, uh, believer's baptism, and we've seen that word used in other ways. But here is talking about you were baptized into Christ. You were placed into Christ when you put your hope and trust in him. And you were made to drink of the same spirit. You actually received the Holy Spirit, and you actually live in his power and by his leading if you're a Christian. And the Bible says that not only is there one body, but there are many different members. We'll continue to read here. Verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And we had that illustration, you know, if everybody was the quarterback, team wouldn't do very well. If everybody was a lineman, team wouldn't do it well. If everybody was a kicker, no matter how good they were, they would never get those kicks off. And the context here, it says, if, if the foot should say, I'm not a hand, and it goes on, it says, if the ear should say, I'm not an eye, you know, the reality is, with our gifts, many of us kind of downplay our gifts. Many of us, you know, kind of like think very lowly of ourselves because of our, our gift isn't what we really thought was impressive or what we really wanted. And so Paul here is talking about the reality that you should not be thinking too lowly of yourself because we actually need every single part. Every, as we just saw a little bit earlier with the systems in the body, if the parts aren't doing their part, if they're uh, damaged or injured or sick, uh, the body doesn't work. It doesn't work properly. And it goes on, it says, at the end of this section, uh, but as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one as he chose. And so God has actually desired, designed you know, his, his body. Um, if the whole were just one part, as we said, it wouldn't work. Um, we talked about you know, 
the, the football examples, the tackle and the quarterback and the holder and the kicker. But just to think about it for a moment, just from the, some of the gifts that we see in this chapter here. You know, perhaps you've, you've kind of aspired to be a teacher or, you, or you're really impressed with the gift of teaching. And you think, wow, it's pretty cool to be a teacher. Um, in October, I guess it's really cool to be a pastor teacher because you kind of get honored. Um, but the reality is teachers really need people who are helpers. There's a gift called helps. And those people are wired and designed that they just they don't necessarily want to be out front. And they don't necessarily be the one that has to speak in front of people. But they just want to free up those people. They want to come alongside those people and find out how can I help you to be the best teacher that you want to be, that you can be to improve your gift, and to give yourself to that gift. And that happens in the same way in, in other gifts as well. You know, and by the way, you know, thinking about our teachers and helpers, you think about you know, our, the gathering, uh, the Grace Kids. I know I'm saying the Grace Kids. I get in trouble every time I do that. Uh, in Grace Kids, you know, we have teachers, but we also have people that come alongside, and some of them are, are your kids. And they do an incredible job with supporting those, those teachers, but also in building relationships as well with them. You think about uh, gifts of the worship team. You know, uh, in the scriptures, it implies that there, is, there, is, there are artistic kinds of gifts uh, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and uh, it seems as though there are gifts related to worship and music and so forth, and skills are, are developed as well. But you think about how important is the tech team is to them, because things don't go well, you know, with the, with the technology or with the, the sound systems or the, the computer programming and all those things. The worship team feels it, and we all feel that. Those are important things. But it goes on, it says that God has arranged the members in the body, each one just as he chose. Um, And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I want to go back a little bit to last week uh, in in chapter 12 and starting verse 4. uh, through 7. This is a section that we had in last week's section. And I just want to talk about the gifts one more time from this perspective. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You know, God gives us these gifts so that everyone can be served. But let me look at this just one more time. Um, There's varieties of gifts, There's varieties of service, and there are varieties of activities. And so when I study this out in in the New American Standard Version, I I like the words related to that a little bit bit better, but there's there's different gifts, and we've been talking about various gifts. Um, And if you think about, think about, like, for example, an evangelistic gift, if someone has an evangelistic gift. So there's this gift... But there's also varieties of service. Somebody with the evangelistic gift may be like a Billy Graham kind of person. They're great in crusades and they're good at, you know, big events, you know. But put that person with five-year-olds 
and not necessarily so good, you know. Put them with teenagers, and that's a whole different realm, you know. Uh, because, because with the gift also comes a, a, a ministry that enables you to use that gift well. Think about teachers. You know, some teachers, you know, they're excellent teachers, but some of them are, are really good at, at communicating a lot of information, a lot of techni- technical information. And some of you say, yes, yes, that's the teacher I want to listen to. And then there's other teachers who are just very artistic in their, in their style and their communication, and you feel like you're just reading an, an incredible book, you know, when you, when you listen to that, and not just truth. And there's another person who communicates their truth through illustrations and stories. And so every, every gift has a different variety of, of, of channels for that, of ministry in which it's used. Some, some gifted teachers are better writers, and we gain a lot through what's written to them by them. And then it says there's different ministries or, or services or effects. And so those gifts, perhaps the evangelist again, you know, when, when that person speaks, the majority of people are like feel a, a conviction of their sin. And perhaps another evangelism uh, gifted person, you know, when they speak, people are just feel the love of God and feel drawn in and feel like there's hope for me. There's a relationship for me. So when God designed the gifts, he also designed us and wired us to ways that we especially are effective in various ministries, and we have our own set of effects. And I like to think about a prism, you know, and how this gift, this, this, this gift comes down, and it just spreads out. And it has different effects as it goes out through various ministries and various giftings that people have. And when you come into the body of Christ... Just because this person has a gift of teaching, he can't fill in over here in this ministry. And she can't fill in over in that ministry just because she has serves gifts. You know, there's a lot of people who have serves gifts but are not good with technology. (laughs) But some are. And some of those people are good with projects. And some are good with people. And so the, the reality is when God designed his body... It was gifts, ministries, and effects. And when we're in the body of Christ and within the the body of Christ, we're getting like this prism light all around us that's manifesting something of God because that's what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a deposit of the grace of God in you that God has given so that you would minister it to the people around you, and you would serve the people around you. It's not just about, I got to watch the message on a, on a video, so I think I got church today. It's not. <laughs> because there's a whole body that was necessary and designed to build you up and to care for you and to minister to you and you to them. And so the body is designed like that, to care for one another through a myriad of, of gifts, and even the, the list that we have, there's no list that's even complete. And all the lists kind of overlap, but they don't really give the same list because we, we believe that there's probably a lot more gifts that are even listed here. These are representative lists most times. So think about this amazing, gracious, giving God of, of yours who has placed you and me in a body, with a 
innumerable gifts, each one coming through different channels of ministry to build you and your family up, to care for you with different effects that are not reproducible. You add on to that backgrounds and personalities and experiences that people have, and you find this is how God wants to care for his people and wants to care for you. You know, I, I, I pity the person who thinks that they can get this on their own. <laughs> how they can experience all of that God has for them by listening to blogs and books and speakers. Because that's not how God designed to care for you or me. So it says that these gifts um, are for the common good. These gifts were not given to you to sit on, to hold back on, to feel good about yourself with. But these gifts were given so that the body of Christ might be cared for. The, the, the church that Jesus says, I'm building the church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. I'm the head of this church, by the way, Jesus would say. And this is the way I want to care for my people. Going back to our text in verse 27, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Now you are, in, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues. We'll stop there for a second. God has appointed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers. He starts off this list here with kind of a, a representative list again of gifted offices. So when he gives gifts, he, he does different things throughout the different sections that we see on, on gifts. In this section, you know, we see he gives a representation of offices that were given to the church. And so he gave apostles to the church. He gave prophets to the church. He gave teachers to the church. Now, this idea says that, he ha that, that this is a calling, a high calling of them, and, and they've been appointed in the church um, we pick that up in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 to 13. And it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, and these are the, the, the offices, to equip the saints of the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Going on, it says, so that we won't be tossed in to and fro like children. And so God gave these gifts so that we would all become like Christ, so that we'd all grow up, and so that we would mature to the measure of Christ. And this is an appointed position, you know, that God has given to his people. The second group here that we see here, it says, uh, after these, these representative, you know, appointed gifts, it says, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of, tr of tongues. In the second group, you have uh, gifts like miracles and gifts of healing, but it also goes on to talking about administration, various tongues. Now, some of these things, you know, when we think about administration and helping and things like that, we think, ah, I don't know, I don't, that doesn't sound like a very exciting gift to me. You know, 
But this is, what he's, this is what he's inserting here as he's picking just a few of them to talk to us about so that you would know, no, I'm, if you think miracles are the thing, I want to let you know that helps are right in there too. And administration, we need that as well. When, when you don't have those things, those other gifts don't work as, as properly and as effectively. And he says that, he goes on, and, and, and the reality is, if you go back and look at verse 27, he says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do they all speak in tongues, do all interpret? The answer would be no. We don't, there's nobody who has all these things. And so uh, I'm grieved, to be honest, you know, in, in these last years, uh, as I've watched the church kind of, kind of, buy into the thought that I can get all that I need not being a part of a church. I can, I can kind of pick and choose out there the materials I read, the people I listen to. I can think through things myself. I can reason things. I'll take that time and I'll just do something else with my time. And I'm, I'm grieved because it says... What about the apostles? You don't have any, well, you do have the apostolic scripture, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, tongues. Does everybody have all those things? And the reality is that nobody has all these things. No one even comes close to having all those things. And you and your two or three friends don't have all those things. And the reality is we, we kind of sidestepped what is very clear in the scriptures, because when I look at the church in the, in the New Testament, it's very difficult to find a good one. And if I'm searching for a good church in the scriptures, they're all, have messed, up. They're all messed up. They all have problems. And so it's interesting to me that Jesus never said, punt on the church, go find, you know, just use the scriptures and you'll find the truth. Because I just see the opposite. You know, Paul's in there digging in with these people who are messed up. And he's like saying, nope. Love you guys, and I'm convinced of this. God's working here. Because there's not a better, there's not a, as, as fallible and as, as mistake, mistaken as the church is today, and I mean not just this church, but all churches, there's no perfect church, and there's no place, and there's no example where there was a second best option of just leaving the church and finding your own way to God and your experience with God. It just, it's, it's, if you read the New Testament with an, an open heart, you'll see, no, all of them have problems, and that's where Jesus is working. But he goes on, he says, I earnestly desire the higher gifts, and, and we'll get, be getting into some of that in the next two chapters about the higher gifts, but I don't think he means that they are more important. I think it had, you know, when he talked about the gifts, sometimes when he said we hear about the greater gifts or the higher gifts, you know, as it's translated, it's talking about the influence that your gift has, the ability your, your, your gift has to do more good, to build more up in the, in the church body and to care for the people. And so it's not that one is, 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 is not good and the other one is really good. Let's look at mutual care here in this section. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable, on those parts of the body we think less honorable and bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know, I, I, I do appreciate, I, I've talked about the Ravens, and I'm biased, so sorry. Um, I appreciate statements that I've heard uh, about we're a team. We win as a team, we lose as a team, you know, all those things. And I, and I appreciate it, you know, uh, watching our quarterback, you know, they're talking about his awards and all his accomplishments. And he immediately says, no, it's the team. No, it's the linemen. <laughs> no, the reason I'm able to do these things is because of others. And you see that, that there's, by nature of, of certain positions in the church and certain uh, giftings in the church, that some of us get more honor than others. And so... Thank you for your appreciation and thank you for your kindnesses towards me. But I think there's a lot of other people who really deserve to be, to be honored. And we'll look at that in here in a second. But here he says, you know, in the beginning of the section here, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, nor again the hand to the feet, I don't need you. So there's this, you know, we could either think too lowly of ourselves, like I'm just a foot, or we can think too highly of ourselves and think, I don't need the rest of you people. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get it on my own. I've got it, you know, together. And uh, I, I was, you know, I, I hesitated on pulling this out, but Don Sharps used this, uh, this illustration when we did um, spiritual gifts uh, seminars in the past, and I just thought, I just got to get this. So, I, so uh, this next thing, uh, Walter Harvey Ministries, um, he, he writes about ducks, rabbits, squirrels, and eagles. And there's a, this is a long-told uh, story, so this is helpful. Once upon a time, animals organized a school. They adopted a curriculum of running, climbing, swimming, and flying. To make it easier to administer the curriculum, all the animals took all the subjects. The duck was excellent in swimming, in fact, better than his instructor, but he made only passing grades in flying, and very poor in running. Since he was slow in running, he had to drop swimming and stay after school to practice running. This caused his webbed feet to be badly warm, so he was only average in swimming after that. But average was quite acceptable, so nobody worried about that except the duck. The rabbit started at the top of the class in running, but developed a nervous twitch in his leg muscles because of so much makeup in swimming. The squirrel was excellent in climbing, but he encountered uh, constant fr frustration in flying class because his teacher made him start at the ground instead of from the treetops down. He developed Charlie horses from overexertion, and so he got a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was a problem child and was severely disciplined for not being a nonconformist. In climbing classes, he beat all the others to the top of the tree but insisted on using his own ways to get there. So what do we learn from that? This is what we do in the church. <laughs> we don't recognize that you have certain gifting, and that's what you're going to really do well in. And we try to make everybody do everything. 
And this is what happens in the church, by the way, when the church, when people think they're not important and the people who are not very good at that try to do your job. When people try to fill in for you who are not very gifted in, your, in that area or they have other responsibilities, you know, we, we get C's and D's in those, in those times. And so again, you know, you can think my gift's not important. Everybody can do my job. Everybody can f- fill in for this. I'm not that in- important. You, you miss the reality of the way that God designed that we all need one another. We all need one another. And so it's wrong to think too highly of yourself, and it's wrong to think too lowly of yourself because we've been designed to care for one another and to serve one another. Mutual care, it says... On the contrary, the, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow great honor. You know, you can lose a hand or a leg or things like that, and you still can get along, but you can't lose your liver. You can't lose your heart. And we don't see those. So we don't think about that. But the reality is there's things that are behind the scenes that we feel very deeply, you know, when they're not there. And we might not think a lot about those people who are kind of caring for the, our teens, you know, in those small groups. But the reality is some of those people may have saved your kids' lives. Some of those kids might have, some of those helpers, some of those instructors might have been right there at the right moment and were able to draw out a conversation that really makes a difference in their salvation or care. And we don't see those things. But those are sometimes the ones we should be paying attention so we can honor them and let them know that we saw that and we appreciate that. It goes on. And with our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, and with our more presentable parts do not, do not require. But God has so comprised the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You know, there, there's parts of, this, of the body of people who are serving us that we need to, we need to be careful, that we protect them, that, they're, that they don't, they're not shamed because they're put into positions that really is not where they're, they're, they're effective or they're good or it's healthy for them. So there's a, there's a caring for one another that's implied with the body. You know, when, when you have something go wrong in your body, no matter how small it is, maybe, maybe you've cracked off a toenail, you know, and you can't hardly walk. You know, maybe you've, you've experienced, you know, one of those... Uh, something's gone on with your, um, your thyroid and you know, you're losing weight quickly and you know, how do we care for that situation in the body? So we pay attention to the small things when we're caring for our body. But in the same way, God says, you know, when we all are honored, when somebody's honored, then everybody should feel that. And when people are suffering, we should feel that too. And we should find ways to honor those situations that we can honor and to protect and care for those that need protection. 
And lastly, in this section here, it says in verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, we're all honored together. Have the worship team come up. So how do, we, how do we think about these things? How do we apply these things? Where do we go with this application? Uh, the first question I have for you is, do you know what your gifts or gift is or are? How many gifts do you know you have? I don't know. Do you know what they are? Because I think in this season, we really want to take time to encourage people to grow and understand their gifts. And, and this, these Sunday morning times are not sufficient for us to fully kind of equip you on these things. So over these next, uh, over this ministry year, but even in the next several weeks, we will have ways to, to, to help you and resources to help you to, to grow in your understanding of the gifts. You know, whether it be luncheons we're going to have or uh, resources that we have. We have resources already that we print in your membership um, book. But it's helpful for you to know what your gifts are or what gift you have. And sometimes that's done by just serving and people around you tell you, wow, you're really good at this. Wow, you really helped me in this area. And rather than dismissing those things, we should pay attention to those things and we should point those things out. Um, we will also be having in the spring, Lord willing, uh, a Holy Spirit seminar weekend. Um, if you're interested in that, put that in the back of your mind and we'll get back to that too. But I think in our, our small groups, uh, we want to continue to grow in this area of understanding spiritual gifts and helping one another because that tends to be a good place for people to get to know you also in ministries that you're in. Which brings me to the second question, are you employing those gifts in the church? You see, we need you. We can't say we don't need you. We do need you. We need everyone. And Sunday morning ministries may hit your sweet spot, maybe not. <laughs> but the reality is that you have effects and gifts and you have uh, ministry channels that, that perhaps we haven't tapped you in in that area as well. And that would be something we need to dialogue, or you can start dialoguing that more with one another and with your, you know, some of your ministry leaders. But please, please don't devalue what the Holy Spirit has placed inside of you for our good. Please don't minimize a helps gift or a giving gift or administration gift or an intercessory gift or a gift in creativities, whether it's in music or arts, or whatever it is, don't neglect those gifts because those things are given for the common good. And lastly, do you realize the gap that's left when members don't serve? When, when we don't, when we're not serving each other, do you realize how that affects the whole? So our big idea is, in the body of Christ, unity works well with diversity. It's good that we're different. It's good that we have different gifts. It's good that we have different channels that we're good in. It's good that some of you are good with projects and other of you like working with people. It's good that you have different backgrounds. It's good that some of you have used your gifts and you can train and help others. It's good. All those things are good. And we could kind of pull away or think we're not important, and we, we, none of us benefit from that. But we do benefit as God has moved in our hearts To recognize, these are not my words. This is not my idea. This is, this is God's idea. 
this is one of the couple things that are going to go into eternity is God's church, God's people. And he's the one who came up with the illustration that it's a body and he's the head. And he's the one who's directing us to give ourselves to that which he's placed in us. By his sovereign will, he's, he's put gifts in us that we didn't necessarily choose and given us an enablement, an empowerment to be a blessing to those around us. So as we, as we sing this song together, will you, will you ask God to resurrect perhaps gifts that haven't been used for a long time, to give, to give you eyes and ears to understand you know, how to use your gifts and a heart that says, Lord, use me however you choose. Let's stand and sing together.